wonderful about that name. It's a name above all names. If you don't have a Bible, there may be one in front of you in one of the pews. And uh, if there's not one there, find somebody. They'll be glad to share it with you. I want you to see what the Bible says, what God says. And uh, maybe we can get something out of it this morning. Maybe God can be, be a blessing to us. Acts 17, we're going to start in verse 15. If you're there, say amen. Amen. I like a church where they raise their hands and don't have questions. Amen. Amen. That's kind of churches I like. Amen. Acts, Acts 17, 15, and the Bible says, And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him, when he saw the whole city given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, uh, who, what, will be, what will this babbler say? Others some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus in the resurre resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speak is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would, not, we would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you and we thank you for an opportunity to be in your house this morning. I pray you be with me as I try to preach your word. Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, hide me where no one can see me and they can only see you. And Lord, I pray it will be a blessing. And it will be a help to us all. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In this portion of scripture, Paul's missionary journey leads him to the city of Athens. If Rome was the seat of government, Athens would have been the seat of culture. Athens was the capital of Greece. And it was called one of the university cities. Athens, Alexandria, and Tarsus were those three cities they called university cities. The city was a center of art, it was a center of literature, it was a center of philosophy, it was a center of military and educational learning. When Paul would enter into the city, he may have walked into the city through the Wing Victory Gateway. There's a statue there of their god called Nike, which, mean, which means victory. And he would have probably walked through those gateways. He would have observed the great masterpieces of art, as he walked down the streets of Athens. He would have viewed the great Parthenon adorned with its marble sculptures and shields of victory. But when Paul walked through this city, the Bible says that his spirit was stirred in him. To be stirred means to be moved. It means to be agitated. It can be moved into action. It can mean to be provoked even. But the thing was, he was not stirred by all the wonders of Athens. All of the splendor that travelers and tourists would come to see did not draw the interest of Paul. When he viewed the sights of this great city and all of the great uh, educational and philosophical advancements overshadowing this city, the temporal overshadowing it was the eternal. And Paul looked at the materialistic beauty, 
but he also saw the degradation of mankind. Paul saw a city wholly given to idolatry. One, one historian said there was gods on every corner. In fact, some have said it was easier to find a little g-god than a man in that city. An idol is anything that takes its place of God. An idol is conceived by man, and then man is simply deceived by that idol. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John, the very, very, very last verse, it says, keep yourself from idols. John, the Apostle John, was all about love. The, the Apostle John was all about little children. We want fellowship. Bring that fellowship back. Love not the world, nor the things of this world. And he ends in keep yourselves from idolatry. Because that idolatry will keep you from the love of God. And the idolatry will keep you from knowing who God really is. And not much has changed today. When we look out at our cities across America or in your hometown, idols are in our homes, idols are in our hearts. It may not be a statue that you have sitting up there on the, the back of your, your, your counter, but it could, be, it could be business. We stay too busy working. Got to get that extra dollar. Got to, got to skip Sunday school. Got to skip services. Got to get somewhere. I understand there are needs, but there's also greed. Which one is it that's going to take our place? Well, there's wealth. There's self-gratification. We live in the last days, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Amusement. You know what amuse means? The A on amuse means not. Muse means to think. You go to amusement park, not to think. Right? You go a lot. Some people go everywhere and just leave that brain on the shelf somewhere, right? But amuse means not to think. Muse means to think. Right? The Bible says that we get joy. God, Christ will give us joy. He'll give us life more abundant. He'll give us peace that passes all understanding. He'll give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. The world can't give you that, so they give you amusement. Amusement's the devil's, you know, trade-off trade for joy. He, he doesn't want you to have joy. He can't give you joy. He can give you a good time for a few minutes, but sin's pleasure with a price. We need to look around like Paul did, and us Christians... We know the truth. We have the truth. We have the word of God. We have Christ in us. The hope of glory we need to get stirred up about some things. We live in perilous times. Evil seducers shall wax worse and worse. It's going to get worse. All right? Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of yourself. Perilous times are here. But Paul didn't look in and look at the social aspect of it and said, we need to fix this. He didn't look at whoever was in, on the throne I mean, on the, in the government seat or anything like that because he knew who was on the throne, right? We've got a lot of Christians that watch the news and worry and, and are anxious for the things that are coming upon us. But we should not worry about those things. We should worry about the souls of men and get stirred up about the things of God. Don't get stirred up about the things of this world. The only, Lester Roloff said one time that the only way to save America is to get America saved. He died in a plane crash in 1981, and, and they had nothing like we have today, nothing. But Paul looks over this great city. He looks over all these great uh, architecture and all these great sculptures and all these great things, and he said, that doesn't stir me up. What stirs me up is the heart of the people are not on the heart of the one true God. And I'll tell you this morning, what happens when God stirs us up? 
What's going to happen? I'll show you three things real quick, and we'll be on our way. The first thing, he'll get a, you'll get a burden for souls. Paul says, there's a therefore in verse 17. It says that his, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the, whole si the, the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore. When you see a therefore in your Bible, you've got to look and see what it's there for, the old preachers would say. Right? So he looks, he's stirred, therefore he got to moving. He made it his priority. He's waiting on Timothy and Silas to get there. But whenever he looked, his soul, was, his spirit was stirred, and he said, there's no time to waste. This city needs Jesus. He said, there's no time to waste. It was Paul who made the trip. It was Paul's spirit who was, who was stirred. It, he, he, could, he saw the urgency and could not wait for the other two to come along with him. The Great Commission says go into the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. There is an urgency involved. We don't know how much time this world has, and we don't know how much time we have. What good would it be if you've got an illness and the doctor has the cure, and the doctor says not today but tomorrow? But I'm in pain. I need this medication. I've been sick for a while. I've had this fever. I need I need that remedy. Well, we'll get it to you when, it, when we get there, when we get time, when the opportunity presents itself, when I feel a little bit better. Somebody said one time that a Christian will win more souls in the first six months after salvation than he will the rest of his Christian life. You get saved and born again. If, you, if you've ever sat down and had the chance to lead somebody to the Lord, what a great thing that is. It, it, it steps out of the boundary of the unknown uh, into, the, into the unknown because you, you're just showing the Bible and you can see the Holy Spirit shift some gears in somebody's heart. It's the most amazing thing you see. And when somebody gets saved and truly saved, they always look up and they ask about the loved one. Notice Paul went to the synagogue first. He went to his own people. That person that gets saved looks up and he says, she says, he says, what about my brother? What about my mom? What about my children? They get an urgency. They get an urgency. But you know, six months comes, and the devil batters them. Their family batters them. Well, yeah, you just had a religious experience. Well, you went to that church down there with that preacher, and they, they only preach out of that Bible. They, that, that can't be real. They've known you your whole life. They, there's no way. Some, some, well, there's no way you have, you've changed that much. Well, if something big as God moves in on you, some things will change. Some things will change. And you know what? They end up walking away. If you, can, you, can, you get saved, stay, stay in church. Stay with the pastor. Stay with the Bible. Stay in your prayer closet. Stay with God. Don't leave. Stick to it. Put your tent, put your, put your tent stakes down real tight in the church house because the devil's going to try to get you away. Somebody said one time, if we worked our daily jobs like we work at winning men to Christ, we would all starve to death in a few days. Think that was John R. Rice. Amen. Amen. If, will, we, will we give somebody the gospel? Do we have the urgency to go tell them that Jesus saves? Or will we sit idly by and let somebody else do it? It's not the preacher's job. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. It's, it's the Christian's job. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. His burden motivated his actions. He went to the Jews. He went to his own people. He went to the devout person, the religious people. He went to the market. He, you know who's in the market? Anyone and everyone. 
He went to Walmart. Amen. Go to Walmart, give out a track. Amen. That's what Paul did. There's, there's your Bible right there. Went to the marketplace. He went to the Epicureans and the Stoics. He went, he went to these places and to these people. Why did he go there? Because he saw their need. He walked in there. He said, I, he's not going there to shop. He's not going to church with the Jews. He's not going to, to argue with the devout persons and tell them something about their religion. It says only he, he said he preached Jesus. He said, I've got something that can help you. I got something that can help you. You know what? I, I've never heard anyone do this, but I'm going to preach on the maps of the Bible. How about that? We got maps in the back of our Bibles. And when you look back there, you got Paul's missionary journey. First, second, third. He's going here. He's going there. He's going up and down. It looks like, it looks like one of my kids just scribbled all over the page. Paul had went everywhere, point A to point B, to city to city, to country to country, giving the gospel of Christ. If God was going to put a, a map in the back of the Bible where you travel to give the gospel, what would it look like? Would it go from place to place and up and down like Paul's? Would it be a straight line? Or would it simply just be a dot on the map? Where's our burden? Is our soul stirred for the souls of men? What shall a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? His burden was his priority, but his burden was personal. Acts 20, 20, 30, uh, 20 and 31, he, comes, he stayed in Ephesus for, Ephesus for three years, warning and weeping with tears. He said to, to warn means to give notice of approaching or probable danger. He wept for the souls of men. David would say in Psalms 126, 5 and 6, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. In Psalm 119, 136, David says, Rivers of water run down mine eyes because they kept not thy law. David wept, Paul wept, and in Luke 19, 41, Jesus weeps over the city of Jerusalem because they will reject him. Will you, when was the last time you wept over that loved one? When, when was the last time you wept over a co-worker? I don't care how bad he's been to you or they've been so negative to you. How bad have you been to God in your, in your rebellious life? There's nothing that, we, that somebody can do can be as bad as what we have done to God for him to die on the cross for us. Put that to the side. Go out and tell somebody about Jesus. Warn them. Warn them that, that God loves them and cares for them, that sin is real and sin is the problem that we have and we can't save ourselves because we are sinners ourselves. It's going to take a substitute. It's going to take someone that's perfect and the only one that's perfect is Jesus Christ. He would die in our place for our sins on that cross. And then we can warn them about a hell that is there for those who reject Christ. Hell is not a figment of your imagination. It isn't a place where the devil's ruling over hell. It is a place of, of torment for the devil and his angels. A uh, preacher said there would be less hell in society if there was more preaching hell in our pulpits. Hell's not a not an old. It's not. It's still a Bible doctrine. Amen. Hell's still in your Bible. Amen. Well, you can change it. You can twist it. But hell's still there. The rich man in hell lifted up his eyes. It was a real place. The rich man prayed for his for his five brethren that were still back on earth. If we're not praying for the lost and, lost and dying ones, the ones in hell are. 
We won't have a we won't have a prayer meeting. But you know what? The greatest prayer meeting that was ever formed or ever is going on and continues to go on until the great white throne judgment is right under our feet right now. They're praying for the souls of their friends and family. I was reading, I don't know if Google's right, but everything's right on the internet, right? I read an article one time said something about computers will be the next best thing or something, and it was quoted by Abraham Lincoln. And I said, that's good. That's about how it is. You just don't know what you're going to get. But, but according to Google... 170,775 people will die today. What shall a man profit? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. The Bible says, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's a perishing in there. There's a God that loves us. There's an eternal life, but there's a rejection there for those who don't believe, and there's a perishing and 170,000 people a day are dying, how many of them have heard the gospel? How many of them have an opportunity to hear the gospel? In 2021, Time Magazine ran an article, death rates from ages 15 to 44 have increased over 5% in three years. Life expectancy is dropping. People are dying more frequently at a younger age. Amen. We've got to get to them. Before death gets to them. You go to a cemetery, the d death is no respecter of persons. You'll see everyone from two months all the way up to 100 years in a cemetery. And what you got is on a, on a headstone is your birth date and your death date, and in between is a little dash. It doesn't matter your birth date, doesn't matter your death date, it's what you do with that dash. What you do in, in between that short little time on this earth. In 1998, there was a young man named Christopher Searcy. He was on a basketball court with some of his friends, and if I remember this correctly, it was somewhere like Detroit, and he was hit by a stray bullet as he was playing basketball. Totally innocent. Totally innocent. Out there just having fun with his friends. And his friends pick him up, and they put him in the car and drive him to the hospital. Christopher Searcy is, is bleeding profusely, and they try to get him out of the car, and these are just a bunch of young men they can barely get him out of the car. They get him into the parking lot. They get him right up to the door. His friends run in to the, to the hospital and say, can you help me? My friend is dying outside. And at the time, that hospital had a policy that they could not give aid to anyone outside that hospital. A few minutes later, a police officer arrives, able to pick Christopher Searcy up, take him into the hospital. He dies before he ever gets help. How many, how many people are trying to get into our church house and getting help? The Bible never tells a lost person to go to church. The Bible tells saved people, go get them. Amen? How many are dying right outside our doors because none of us have a spirit that's stirred for a burden and lost and dying person? Paul said he, would, he, he could wish himself a curse for his own people in Romans. He said, brethren, it's my heart's desire to get the gospel to them. Many, many, many souls are dying and going to hell simply because the church is not going out and, and telling somebody about a God who can save their soul. Please don't let that be our friends, our co-workers, our colleagues, family members. Many are saved just simply because we don't have a stirred spirit and it's a lack of effort on our part. John Blanchard said Christian service is not meant to be formally burdening the mind but a fire burning in the heart. It should, it should be something that provokes us 
to get out. It should make us mad that the devil is taking out the next generation. It should make us mad that so many people are going the way of the world and not coming into church. It should make us mad that the devil has a stronghold in a lot of areas in our lives that we need to get rid of. He got a, he got a burden for souls, but he got a boldness to speak. A spirit that is moved will, will, not, will stand in the midst. He will, he will continue to go on. We're not going to read the preaching on Mars Hill. We just don't have the time. Time won't allow us. Somebody said one time that the millennial reigns just for us preachers to finish our messages. So Mars Hill's there, and Paul stands in the midst of all of these philosophers, the Epicureans, the Stoics, and all these people. And a spirit that is moved will stand in the midst, but there is no boldness when there is no burden for the lost and dying. Paul's, what did Paul do? Paul declared the gospel. You know what he says right here? There was a lot of things wrong with the city. There was a lot of things wrong with their religion. There was a lot of things wrong with other things. You know what he did? He didn't preach against, all, he didn't preach against Zeus. He didn't preach against the, uh, Athena, the god of wisdom. He didn't preach against this one and that one and all the other many little G gods that he had. It just simply says he preached unto them Jesus in the resurrection. You know why he just preached Jesus in the resurrection? Because Jesus in the resurrection is all you need. It's enough. What did God say at the burning bush? I am. He said, who sent me? He said, I am. You know what I am means? I am what you need me to be. I am everything that you need me to be. And you know what? He says, he says in Romans 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What do we speak? We preach the gospel. What's the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Vicarious atonement. Every time they, they, they ran the cat of nine tails down Jesus' back, he did it for you. When they plopped that, that crown of thorn on, thorns on his head and they took a stick and said, Here, you want to be a king? I've got your scepter and pounded it upon his head. He did it for you. When he carried that cross up Calvary, he did it for you. When he stood up there and he had his hands out and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He did it for you. And then they punctured his side he looks up into heaven and he says, Into my hand I commend thy, thy spirit. He said, I did it for you. Every time they whipped him, every time they mocked him, every time they spit upon him, it should have been me. It should have been you. But he took all of that and put it on the cross of Calvary so you wouldn't have to go through it. And then he was buried and rose again the third day. And he walked out of there when the stone rolled away. The rock of ages walked out. That's why we can have joy. That's why we can ho have hope. Because we serve a living Savior today. He's alive. Amen. He's alive. You can't, and let me tell you, you can't give the gospel to the wrong person. You can't. And you know what? You'll say, well, well what if they offend me? What if I offend them? What are they going to do? Go to second hell? I mean, I think most of the problem is that we're afraid we'll be offended. I think that we're afraid. You know what? It's not about us. It's about Him. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Him. They're not rejecting your message. They're rejecting His message. One day there's going to be a great white throne judgment. One day we're going to stand all those who were saved on one side and all those who have rejected Christ on the other. God's going to open up the books and he's, they're going to be a line 
And they're going to, not in the book, you got to go. Well, well, I don't, I, somebody, he's going to give you one more chance. Not to get saved, but to say something. Salvation's only here, not then. And you're going to stand there, and he's going to look over, and he's going to see you, and somebody's going to look over and say, it's going to be your brother, your sister, why didn't you tell me? It's going to be a co-worker, you knew about him, why didn't you tell me? The angel's going to grab them, chunk them into the lake of fire. After that, the tears are dried up in heaven. After that, there will be tears in heaven. You're going to see your teachers. You're going to see your co-workers. You're going to see your family. You're going to see your friends cast into the lake of fire. Knowing you went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, revival meeting Sunday through Thursday, and they're going to say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? It didn't matter. What do we speak? We speak the gospel. And it didn't matter where Paul was. He'd go to Corinth, he'd preach the gospel. He'd go to Thessalonica, he'd preach the gospel. He'd go to Ephesus, he'd preach the gospel. He'd preach the gospel in the marketplace. He'd preach the gospel uh, with, with, uh, in, the, in, the, in the synagogues. He'd preach it at Athens. It didn't matter everywhere he went, whoever it was, they're going to hear the gospel. The death and burial of resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Epicureans. The, and the Stoics are our two great enemies. I keep saying them, I need to tell you who they are. The Epic, Epicureans... They were all about pleasure. If it feels good, then it must be right. Feels good, it must be right. I saw a sign one day when you pulled into the neighborhood. It said, do what makes you happy. And I thought, what a messed up theology. John Wayne Gacy, if he was still alive, he said, I know where I'm moving. Do what makes you happy. Right? There, the Bible says that our heart is desperately wicked. It's malignant. We can't fix it. Do what makes you happy. What a mess of a world we would have if everybody did what makes them happy. The Epicureans is a picture of pleasure, and the Stoics are a picture of pride. The Stoics, they were fatalists. They believed whatever happens, happens. You know, God, has, God puts things in order, and then it just goes on a however course, right? Two greatest enemies of the gospel right there. Pride and, and pleasure. We won't go out and soul win. We got, we got to go fishing. We won't go out and go soul winning. We got other things to do. We, won't, we can't make it to Sunday school. Understand. I mean, everybody can't make it all the time. It happens. I miss Wednesday. I got to work. I understand. But when you can be here, be here. Don't let pleasure take you away from the house of God. Don't let pride keep you from being saved. Don't let it. get. Don't let it. Don't let it. Alexander McLaren said the gospel once heard is always the gospel which has been heard. Nothing can ever alter that. Once you give somebody the gospel, it stays in their court. The blood's off your hands. It's, in, it's on them. Once you tell them the gospel, it's up to them to respond. Why do we preach it? Look at Acts 26, 18. We'll go just a little further. This is the purpose of the gospel. Paul's speaking to Agrippa. He said it's to open their eyes and to turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God and they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You know what darkness is? Darkness has no power of its own. Darkness is simply absence of, absence of light. Right? You know why we have a dark world? Because we have been absent with our light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God is love. God is light. And why are... Why are we in darkness? Because so many aren't going out there and telling people about Jesus. We see Agrippa, and then we see 
um, Annas and Caiaphas, Peter preaches the gospel. A lot, lot's changed between Peter over there in Acts 2, uh, in the end of the gospels, in Acts 2 where he preaches and 3,000 get saved. Over there, over there in the last few uh, verses of those gospels, Peter's warming his ha- hand with the world, and he, he's afar off from Jesus, and he denies him three times. But the next thing you know, he's standing in front of Annas and Caiaphas, and you know what? The Holy Spirit does something and changes somebody's life. He changes the situation and circumstances in, in Peter's life. He's not scared of them anymore. He's standing in front of them. He got a boldness. Soul winning doesn't take a degree, but a desire and a dependency of the Holy Ghost to proclaim the message. Not only the declaration, but the defense of the gospel. Paul would face the philosophers. He was going to face adversity. You're going to have people that just don't plain believe it. And that's fine. Our job isn't to make them believe it. Our job is to preach the gospel to them, get it to them, and that's it. You don't believe in it? That's fine. I had a lady one time tell me, uh, give her a gospel tract. She said, I don't need that. And I said, I'll be praying for you. She said, why? I said, I'm praying that one day you'll realize how much you really do need it. Amen? And, and, and what they do with that, when you go to the, the football games and you hand out the tracts, you're handing out the gospel. We don't need to be militant. But we don't need to be marshmallows. We need to stand our ground. We don't have to be rude to be right. I'm not here to prove anything. I'm telling you what the Bible says, and we leave it there. And it says that we, we, we speak the gospel to someone. The Holy Spirit is working on both ends of that transaction. It is our job to present the gospel. It is up to them to receive it or reject it. Brother Travis was talking about that lady down at the, the games that day, came up to us and said, I don't want this, you guys are out here judging people, had a gospel track, gave it back to us. And I said, do you have a minute? She said, she said yeah, I guess, but she wasn't going to listen to me. And I said, I get one Saturday off a month, and I chose to come up here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. I'm not a great soul winner. I, there's a lot out there that's better than me, but I told her, it burdened my heart. She said, you're out here judging us. And I said, no, I get one Saturday off a month. I got a wife and I got two kids I could be spending at home. But I'd rather be out here giving you a gospel track telling you how you get saved and born again. And she got to talking to us, and she got to talking about this religion, she got to talking about this religion, she got to talking about this religion, and next thing you know, it starts turning. You see the Holy Ghost kind of get into her, start changing her heart. Well, what about this? Well, what did we just say? The Bible says, well, okay, okay, click, click, starts working. We see a movement. Next thing you know, her friends come up and say, hey, we parked illegally. We need to leave, right? But we did the best we could with what we had. She took two or three gospel tracts. Here, you take one and give a couple more to your friends. Amen. And if you need anything, give us a call. Our number's on the back. Amen. We pray for you. We love you. We care for you. And that's all we do. That's our job. The two biggest lies the devil uses, he will never tell a lost man that he is lost. He will never tell a saved man that he's saved. Anyone that ever struggles with their salvation or security of their salvation, I've never met a lost man that did that. It's always been a saved man. People today are constantly searching, ever seeking more knowledge, continually looking for something new. We need to give them the truth of God's word. It says here, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new things. What, what is our conversation about? What is our TV watching about? Hear something new, tell something new. What is our social media about? Is it about the truth of God's word or just what we heard and what we're doing? And we need to defend it. We need to defend the Bible. 
Amen. I'm still King James. Amen. I believe that's God's inerrant, infallible word of God. I believe it's inspired, but I also believe God preserved it. You can't have one without the other. There are some that will say it's inspired in the originals. Nobody has the originals. Moses didn't have the originals. And, and he, had to, he had to make them again. He had copies. And if you, have, if you, you don't have the originals, then you don't have the Bible. Right? That's what they're saying. Amen. But I believe a God of inspiration. David said, I am the pen in the mighty hand of a writer. When you look at a Van Gogh painting, you don't say, what a wonderful paintbrush. Amen. Well, when you look at the Bible, you don't say, what a great David. You say, what a great God that used David to pen his word. And you know what? When we got the inspiration, but we got the preservation in the word of God. We need to stand on it. We need to stand on it. We need to stand on the blood. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.15, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made by, nigh by the blood of Christ. Amen. We need the Bible. We need the blood. We, need, we got the blessed hope. Amen. Amen. Looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter preached to the Jews. Paul preached to the Gentiles. Audience were different, but, but, but their messages were not. It's always Jesus and the resurrection. In Ephesians, Paul, Paul ends the book of Ephesians in a prayer in chapter 6. He says, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Why? And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The Bible says we must be bold in our speak. We don't have to be rude to be right. But we must be bold and willing to talk. Are we going to talk about a football game? Are we going to talk about the saving blood of Jesus Christ? Are we going to talk about the cross of Calvary? Are we going to talk about what's going on down the street? What are we going to talk about? We don't know how much time they have. We don't know how much time we have. We let somebody do the Lord one time at the nursing home. Two weeks later, he's, he's in heaven. Where's he at? He went to the VA. Where's he at now? He's not coming back. Thank God God gave him an opportunity Thank God. He's in a wheelchair and I could just see him walking through this world and the devil has distracted him with this and that and the other and he keeps distracting him. He gets late, older later on in life. He's now in a nursing home. He has no one to care for him. He's now in a wheelchair. He's no longer standing up but he's sitting down. And now somebody's got to help him move him around the nursing home. And somebody comes in, preaches the gospel. The devil has him. The devil said, he's almost there, I've got him. He's sitting down, next time he'll be laying down, and I'll have him. But the gospel comes through. Boot him, boot him right out into the parking lot. Devil, get out of here, we ain't got time for you. We got Jesus in the resurrection. You've had him for all 79 years of your life. He's going to have Jesus the last two weeks. Amen. And all that, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. He gives... He gives a, I pray we get stirred. For the, for, I pray we get stirred up about something instead of the temporal. We need to get stirred up about the eternal. We, we see his burden. We see his boldness. But he, then he goes and he preaches Mars Hill. Look at verse uh, 32 in Acts 17. And when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Here's your, here's your people responding. 
And others said, we will hear thee again of this matter, right? Some, there will be just flat-out rejection of the gospel, right? The other is procrastination. It sounds good. I'll get back with you later. You may not have later. You may not have a more convenient time. No time to hesitate when it comes to your soul. But then Paul departed, departed a, from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Among which was Dionysus of Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. There's a rejection, there's a procrastination, but there's some that will get salvation. Amen. We may not win them all, but we can win some. Amen. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sower in Matthew 13, uh, 4, 13, and I like him because he's throwing the seed out. He, he's not one of these farmers that will poke a hole in the ground, put a seed, cover it up. This sower is just throwing the seed. He's terrible at farming, F minus in agriculture. He's just going out and he's throwing the seed everywhere. Some go on the wayside. That's not good ground. It's too hard. Some go on the rock where the sun comes and it beats down on it and it burns it up. Some go out there in the thorn bushes and it chokes them. But some go on the good ground. Some. You're going to throw a lot of seed out there and only some will hit the good ground. And the Bible says in Luke that the seed is the word of God. That's all that verse is. The seed is the word of God. You know why it says that? That's Luke 8, 11. Because there's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed's the word of God. You put that seed out there. The problem's not the seed. The problem is the soil that you're planting it in. The seed is nothing's wrong with it. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, Paul says, I planted Apollos water, but God gives the increase. I, I, I may plant, Brother Eric may water, but God's going to give the increase. Miss Leanne, you may, you may plant, Brother Eric may, may water, God will always give the increase. Amen? Whenever it goes that way, it always goes back to God. God gave us salvation and all the glory should go back around to Him. Either way, God always takes care of that. I'm going I'm to close in this. The Titanic sank in 1912. They, they, they said it was an unsinkable ship. Well, good job on that. There we go. The wisdom of, God, the, wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. Amen. That's 1 Corinthians. On board was 3,500 people of all classes. It was a ship mainly for the travelers that were upper, upper class, but they had some that were dirt poor working on the ship. So all classes of people, all ages of people, 3,500 people. And when the ship sank, they had to use a telegram and telegraph to go back and forth to talk about the survivors and who they are and where they are. In Liverpool... Outside the newspaper, White Star Lines, there was two lists placed outside. Whenever they got a telegram, they would write the person's name on one of these two lists. One list stated known to be saved, and the other said known to be lost. Everyone in this room is either saved or they're lost. Everyone in this room is on one of this, those lists. You're either known to be saved, it's, not a, it's, it's a no-so salvation. Either Christ died for you and he paid it all, or he didn't do anything for you at all. It's a no-so salvation. It is finished, is what he said on the cross. It's not 95% finished, time to get baptized. It's not 80% time to ride your bicycle. Amen? It's not 70% write somebody a letter. It is finished, 
Salvation's plan is done. And you're either on the list of known to be saved, or you've never heard the gospel, or you rejected the gospel, and you're on the, or you're on the list known to be lost. Which list are you on this morning? Which list are you on? If you're a Christian here this morning, I want to stir you up. I want to tell you the same Jesus that works in Athens is the same Jesus that can work in Peru, it can work in Gainesville, it can work in anywhere it goes. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for everybody and anybody. The gospel of Jesus Christ changed lives. If you're not saved this morning, I pray you get a burden. And if you got a burden, I pray you get some boldness. And I pray we go out and we tell somebody about Jesus. And if you're not saved this morning... You can come forward if you're a female. We'll get a female to show you through the Bible how to get saved, a biblical reason. And if you're a male, we can, get, we, can, we can have a male show you how to get saved. If you don't have a biblical way that you know that you know that you know that you're saved, come forward. We'd like to help you.